Oh, was I supposed to bring the mixer? No. Hello and welcome to the High Coast Podcast. Uh, I'm Drew. And I'm Rob. And welcome to episode two, which is also kind of version 2.0 of our, our podcast because the sound should be a lot better. We're using much better equipment this time. Yeah. So if we don't have good sound, then we have no good excuse this no, time. No one to blame. No. Um, so there's been big news since last time, and it hasn't been good news exactly. And really, it's a matter of interpretation, right. I guess. Um, I got an email late one evening from the uh, National Geographic Society, and they said that uh, uh, while our uh, film and uh, project may have wonderful, uh, wonderful, wonderful ideas and wonderful, wonderful um, uh, value to science, it was not something that they were interested in funding. So uh, in the nicest uh, but rather anonymous kind of way, they uh, gave us the brush off, and so now we are free. Free. Yeah. And um, that means that we are free, unfortunately, of one of the organizations we hoped was going to um, give us a sort of a stamp of approval and uh, uh, help us get a green light from other organizations that might have been interested in what we're doing. We're kind of free from the burden of receiving funding to be able to make our film. (laughs) Yeah, it's entirely just too bad that we don't have the f off capital to right. back up back up projections at this point but um it is true we we are free now and there was an element of um an element of straitjacket in that in that application that we put together for them because it was very much the national geographic explorer grant and um the idea there was that we should be exploring and discovering and doing um that sort of thing and we made an application that I thought really did um, give the opportunity to, you know, discover unknown or at least undocumented archaeological uh, sites, and also the opportunity to discover uh, land that has never maybe been walked on with dry feet before. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, and and also uh, we heard um, through the grapevine that um, physical geographers thought that uh, our project idea was pretty nice yeah it was interesting it was right up their alley so mm, and the other thing was that they're trying to make more projects in scandinavia so we thought we had that on our side as well right we heard it also through the grapevine yeah well i mean uh, there was a special northern european grant pot and um, i hope that we got considered in that pot because that's where we were supposed to be um, applying through but um whatever the reasons um rupert murdoch doesn't appreciate our project and so <laughs> and we don't um, appreciate him exactly yeah that's a two-way street rupert um so that that was the big news and um the first thing that rob asked was are we still doing the project right and uh, i thought well definitely it was never never off the table i think we have too much time invested and uh, too much of um, too much prestige. What little prestige I have, but too much prestige invested in the project to just not do anything. Right, and I, I, my first question was like, are we still going to do it? And then also the next part of that is, what is it going to be now? Is it going to change at all? Right, and with the straight jacket off, um, <clears throat> we do have the opportunity to reconsider ideas that we had um, at the beginning. 
that weren't exploration topics. Um, we have a, the opportunity to get Rob off the hook for walking the entire 120-kilometer <laughs> trail. Um, but I, I would like to walk some of the trail, or at least um, absolutely, me yeah, too. Do some of it because that is a that is a nice framework that we yeah. can use. Um, so we had fishermen that we had considered um, at some point. And um, I had good conversations with Annali about that. <clears throat> she knows a old fisherman type, and I think she actually spent some of her summers in a fishing cottage. Um, Did she? Yeah, uh, with her sisters and her family. I think, um, but having that—that that wasn't the main line of inquiry for the first iteration of the High Coast film right. uh, story. So um, I'll have to go back to her and see whether she thinks um, this uh, old fisherman is someone we can use in a in a documentary if he is a if he's a really great guy compelling or a really horrible guy and compelling or whatever looks great on film or looks terrible on film right. uh, in a good way then um, he could be another inspiration well i would say that the thing the reason why i mentioned to you in an email about the fisherman is because you know just my my kind of interest in film and, and in filmmaking is i always want to find the people angle you know and so i thought well if we don't have to concentrate so, so, so deeply on the geology without National Geographic, like, of course, that's going to be a big part of the film. And of course, that's still going to be part of it. I was thinking, well, maybe that opens us up a little bit to, to explore a little bit more how it's affected the people in the area um, through the years. And you get more personal stories and things like that. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot easier to make a fisherman dance than to make a pile of rocks yeah. dance. <laughs> Um, no, that's absolutely true. And um, there we have to go into a whole different mode of um, storytelling there because we need to uh, let people tell their story. Uh, it's a story that's in their histories and in their families. They've lived it and um, we need to, would need to get them to help us tell the story. Um, so, and then that also brings us into a different dimension of language because all of these primary sources, these people that we are likely to meet, um, we discovered this summer that not everyone is really great at English. Um, so we, um, I wouldn't say risk, but we, there's a definite possibility that this movie is going to go over into a Swedish language movie yes. um, rather than an English language movie. And, and that, on the other hand, I mean, we're both Swedish speakers. So um, I don't see that as a problem for us, and it could work to our advantage in uh, fundraising and in project pitching here in Sweden. I mean, I could also imagine, you know, shots of us hiking parts of the trail might be in English if we're communicating with, directly with each other. I mean, do you think it could be a mix, or do you think it should be all Swedish or all... Well, I wouldn't English. like to hear myself speaking a lot of Swedish in the movie, so... No, no. Me neither. <laughs> um, you know, if it does become a movie about people, then I think that we should um, mainly try to stay out, <clears throat> stay out of the right. movie to a, to a greater extent than if we were the people who are walking the trail. Um, in a sense, we become more of maybe what people think of as documentary filmmakers who go around and follow people and follow things that are happening, as opposed to the uh, those Australian guys in the video from last last time where they were they were the stars they and their machines were the stars and the um, you know the big the big crisis in that clip was is their truck going to survive exactly um, so well, I, I mean I like that I, I like that direction personally I mean it's something and the listen people who are listening right now are, are really listening to us discuss this really for the first time because we haven't really had a chance to really meet and discuss this since we got the news about the the grant and so um, 
uh, that's exciting. And uh, uh, I'm, I am interested in, in how we can take this thing in new directions now without the shackles or whatever you want to call it of National Geographic. Right. Um, there are still um, there are still sources of funding that we need to tap, and rather than waiting for the stamp of approval from National Geographic, now we'll just have to go ahead and try to to do that, and um, and we'll see how far we make it. I think the the nature of the project changes significantly because it's not so much of a uh, academic exercise in archaeology and geography anymore, but rather it's likely to be a more artistic stamp over the project and looking at people and a culture. And it's going to be more of a cultural film all of a sudden. Fantastic. I think it sounds a lot easier to deal with in in some ways because uh, a, a, a documentary film that's entirely too factual i mean it works really well on national geographic channel maybe right. but it doesn't it doesn't appeal to everyone there's a danger of it becoming kind of a, a kind of a you know one of those old school movies that you'd watch in class you know kind of a kind of a more of a right exactly more of a report than than a documentary right and i think we were struggling a little bit with how do we make this movie like a movie and not like a news report or Or a thesis yeah exactly (laughs) and 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 many many national geographic projects that they've taken on that we've seen are somebody's thesis or phd um so we were we were always a little bit of an outsider because we weren't in academia um from from their perspective true so that doesn't uh, mean that we won't hit them up next year for something else if we just stumble on something great. Absolutely. Uh, um, but um, for now, they are part of our, our past. Yes. And uh, we thank them in any case for helping us get all organized um, with their application that we had to really think about what we wanted to do. I'm not sure if I told you this. I, may, I might have, but I'll say it again, is that I, I wrote an email to, to my contact there. I don't want mm-hmm. to mention names. Mm-hmm. Um, my ex-colleague, uh-huh. and I sent it to her personal email and said and gave her the news that we received. And, but I also said to her, "Thank you for telling us about the the um, grant because there's now a film that we still plan to do that we may not have have uh, it may not have gone into uh, production or or started a project together if uh, we didn't have that kind of catalyst of a, of that grant to apply for. So even though we were denied the grant." It still started this working together on this project, and it's still going to become something. So I am thankful for that. And as you say, it also I, all the work that you did on the on the um, application and everything has really helped organize um, thoughts around equipment and budget and and uh, things like that. So all of that is only valuable as we go forward, even if it doesn't completely apply to whatever we decide to do with the film. It still is very valuable to have mm. done that. Yeah, we we need to we need to be flexible about this and, and a little bit pra- pragmatic. And I don't know if it makes us sound flighty that to to say that well we weren't married to that idea per se, but it was our best idea at the time, and we were following it like a, you know, we were really pursuing that idea. Um, and now we're moving on to some other idea, and it, it may sound a little flighty, but I think that's a, that's a key. I mean, even here at beforehand, I mean, we think we know what we're doing, but like you always like to say, when you've got all the film in the can, you have to clip, put the movie together. Yes. You really don't know what the story is going to be until you're sitting there with all the footage. Right, not always, no. Exactly right. So. And I still uh, think we can call the project or the film or whatever at this point High Coast, 
because mm. I think we're still going to explore that area of, mm-hmm. of the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm more interested in it. I'm interested in it visually. I'm interested in this in the story. I am still interested in the, ge- the geology of the area. Uh, and uh, I, I think it'll be an interesting place to explore stories. Yeah, I think film. if you're going to do a story about fishermen, uh, it becomes that much more exciting in the high coast because there is that stuff with the uh, the harbors disappearing and the uh, beaches growing, and uh, in addition to the um, the influence of of political and uh, economic change over time. Yeah, so. so it's not like we're going away from high coast documentary to trying to make a a, a new version of Kung Fury. <laughs> no, yeah, that would be a, a pretty, pretty, pretty great reach. And, yeah, and um, I, who have just started to use uh, Adobe After Effects, am not ready for the uh, the effects <laughs> budget there. Me neither. Well, um, so then um, we, um, yeah, we lift our foot on a new, in a new direction, and when we'll be exploring that, I think, in in the next in the next pod probably yeah um if we look forward to the next pod if you are interested in um, what it might be about you and you um (laughs) that um i'm thinking that next time around we should explore more ideas Um, we need to brainstorm one more time and see if there's anything else that's lurking i have a whole folder full of ideas on the on our shared drive so i'm going to go back to that and start looking around in it and then i think also um i want to talk a little bit about the technical details about um, the movie and how how I want I really want to make a short movie to prove that we can make a movie even yes. if it's only a thirty second commercial or a three minute short I want to do something so that I can say that we've done this and it looks awesome and it's smart or it's so that would be something we could discuss next. I time can tell well. you it's really probably the highlight of my day was you mentioning that because immediately I'm like oh yes yes let's make a three minute short you know I've done that in the past on my own and with with other people. Um, and actually uh, submitted uh, shorts to film festivals and had them exhibited. and uh, But I haven't done that in a long time, and I'm, I really would love to do that. Um, and uh, I don't know about you, were you thinking, you, you told me at lunch today, you know, anything. So I'm kind of thinking, I'm getting excited, maybe trying to do kind of a fictional three minutes or, or 30 mm-hmm. seconds or mm-hmm. whatever, not necessarily documentary. Yeah, no. Uh, anything, anything goes at this point. Yeah. I think if it, it could be just an artsy you know collage of ideas it could be a a documentary it could be an interview if it was a really great interview and uh, the things that go around and with an interview just something that is a a a work yeah i would be super stoked to also do like a three-minute scene like with two actors or something Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. actually get a couple actors outside in stockholm and actually shoot a scene yeah you know a a scripted scene and, and uh that would be exciting also. Yeah. So be something for their, for their demo reel. It'd be something for our demo yeah. reel. Um, and um, so we'll be brain thinking about that. And then hopefully we'll hash some of that out in, in, in pod number three. Cool. Um, which I think brings us maybe to the, um, the, the other part that we usually do all two times um, <laughs> where we um, discuss a video that we've watched uh, on, on the internet and, um, this week, um, it was my turn to bring a video to the uh, to the table, and um, and it was a good one. Yeah, here uh, the video is um, from a Swedish uh, television program called Svenska Hemligheter, which which is uh, Swedish Secrets, and um, it's this guy um, and his cameraman who go to different places in Sweden that have 
that really are secret that you never knew existed but have been declassified and with no ballyhoo at all. So it might be a fort underground or something. Um, but in this particular case, the, the, the one that we looked at was uh, uh, season three, the underground uh, hospital uh, in uh, Stockholm's Söder neighborhood. Um, and not very far away from where we are right now. No, in fact, if I looked out the window, I could see Söder, but I probably couldn't see where this is. It's, right. I think, on the other side of, of Söder. Um, the opening scenes of the of the of the clip. It's a fourteen minute uh, fourteen minute documentary program. It's standalone. It's part of a series, but it stands on its own. Um, there are a number of uh, techniques that they employ. Um, to draw us, the watchers, into their into their story about a um, a wing or an underground wing of the uh, Stockholm Söder Hospital that is uh, in in caves that have been uh, blasted out of the of, out of bedrock, and um, he uses uh, they use um, sliders and they use drones and. Um, in, in a lot of ways, it was just like, wow, that's really cool. I mm-hmm. wish, you know, I want to do stuff like that. And then, uh, but then I started to think, well, I don't really know what to, what to think about this because I don't know, like, did that slider shot, did that add anything? Did the, uh, did the, was the, um, the drone, you know, looking straight down over the man walking on the railroad tracks it was really cool, but it, did it, did it help anything? So I showed it for Rob and, and I, I was a little skeptical about it, but I th- I really appreciated it, and, and in my opinion, just uh, maybe I'm uh, because I liked it so much. <laughs> what I saw, the short bit that I saw, maybe I'm fooling myself, but I don't think so. But uh, for me, the shots were motivated. Uh, he's going into as as you mentioned this secret place that no one's that's been uh, declassified recently, I guess, and you can tell that it's very um, in a very remote area. Uh, it's not, there's trees growing all around it. There's some old train tracks leading towards the opening of it. And uh, the drone shots really showed you how remote, like how um, not remote it was, but inaccessible it was. You wouldn't be able to even know it was there if you didn't really get the drone up there and see where he was walking. Yeah, the scenes from the ground were in a thick forest. And yes. You couldn't really see more than about 10 yards ahead of you. Whereas, you know, when you when you saw him from above, you could see that, you know, the, the, the forest canopy was open both ahead of him along the railroad tracks and behind him. Yeah. So that's where the opening was, and it was from above. So he, he started to convince me. Yeah, and then I also thought that the first shot of the drone, which I came right before or after the title sequence of uh, of uh, credits, uh, made me think of a, of an eye and the shape of the rocks and, and the things that were around there. Even the tracks going through the middle of it kind of looked a little bit like the parts of a of a of an, of an eye, and uh, so it added to the to the tone, I'd say, to the mood of it, where he's kind of going into a slightly scary place, a kind of a spooky place, and you know, not not quite sure what lies ahead of him if there's anybody in there waiting for him or what he's going to find. And so for me, they were not wasted shots that were just wasted on coolness. And I'm, I'm a big proponent that you shouldn't do things just because you can. Um, I really do think it needs to be motivated um, to push forward the narrative that you're, you're um, exploring, whether it's um, tonally or story-wise. So for me, it was motivated. Maybe there was a, maybe one or two slider shots that, you know, were a little extra, but for the most part, uh, I thought it was really well done and, and um, not uh, not overdone just because I could. 
Right. When when I look at the production quality of that particular series, I think mm, that's in the neighborhood of of where I hope to be mm-hmm. uh, when we when we do our uh, project. Yes. Um, I I think some of the other episodes are a little more guilty of using, um, I wouldn't say heavy-handed, but definitely using post-production coloring techniques and things like that uh, to make their to make the project look cool or mm-hmm. to make it look old or <clears throat> something along those lines. And not strictly speaking, needed. Um, maybe the they felt that their their footage didn't uh, have the jazz, you know, uh, to to carry the story. But um, the more I watch it, the more I think, wow, hmm, is that something we can do? What did you What did you think when you saw it? Was it? I thought it was definitely doable. Now, earlier you you said uh, it was it's a it's a man, the host of the show, and a cameraman. Do you know that for sure? Is it one person? Is it like a just a cameraman with him, or does he have a crew? Was that a figure of speech <clears throat> you used, or was it? Well, I, in in uh, some of the scenes, you can see the reflection of the cameraman. Okay, uh, and I didn't see a cameraman and a guy holding a boom and uh, right. other stuff. So um, there may there there may well be a crew, but it's only really. He and he addresses the camera quite directly, and you get the feeling that he's talking to the cameraman. And he does actually say, you know, come on in fast because we need to get through this door before mm-hmm. a certain number of seconds passes, or else the alarms are going to go off. And so, uh, in those particular scenes, there wasn't three guys or four guys going through that door. There was there was just him and the cameraman. So I think, as far as the quality of it, I think it's definitely something we could aspire to, and that we could pull off. Uh, with a little bit of practice, and and I'm practicing all the time. So uh, next week I'll be shooting some stuff, and and uh, um, I ha- I don't have a lot of experience with uh, either sliders or drones, but but uh, um, I'd be really excited to to try them out. And again, only if they were the the use of them were motivated by what we're trying to do. Um, I do I understand also there is a point in a program like that that sometimes they may uh, use some of that color correction or or some of these techniques. Uh, to make it a little look a little bit more cool because it is kind of an entertainment program as well as being kind of a documentary program. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and that's fine, but it's just when it's, uh, when there's no substance behind it, it's just all cool shots just for the sake of cool shots. That's when it gets a little tiresome. And so there's a good balance you can, you can make. And I think that they did a good job with the short clip that I saw. Yep. Uh, I think <clears throat> we may we may find out that Rob is in secret watching more Swedish secrets. I will be. Um, between between all of the other stuff he's doing, uh, filming uh, all over the place. Um, the other the other thing with this particular episode is they're walking through the woods and the cameraman is following the presenter and uh, it, it's pretty shaky. Yeah. Um, and Rob commented, it's more shaky than I thought our movie was going to be. Yeah. Um, do you think that they were purposely shaking around or do you think that they were using un, um, what do you call it, unstabilized uh, lenses or what do you think was the deal there? It looked to me like a handheld camera. Um, uh-huh. So maybe I'm not sure if he's use, using a shoulder rig or not, you know, where you, you can rest it on your shoulder. Yeah, and, in and some of the it. scenes I saw that he was okay. using some kind of a thing on the shoulder in his, in the reflection. Yeah. yeah. So, so he's probably using a handheld sh- shoulder rig, which is better than just holding it in your hands, but mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. um, using some kind of three axis stabilizer or anything like that. And I was hoping that, our film would be look more smooth during the walking sections because one thing that I imagined about our film was I thought there might be a lot of walking sections, um, at least the way it was we initially thought of the project, especially if, if a part of the movie was going to be hiking the entire trail. And so I was thinking, gosh, you know, I can't make people... Even that small part I saw tonight, for me, um, was a little too shaky just to, for, um, for comfort. 
in just those few shots. Mm. And they, they kept it short. But if there was a whole program like that, I think it would um, be a little bit bothersome for me. So uh, I'm very, very interested in all the new stabilization things. And I'm even now considering getting a, a lens for the camera that I'm using that um, can give me some optical, optical image stabilization. And I think to myself, what's better? Is it better to invest in a like an external 3x stabilizer that the whole camera goes on or lenses that have optical image stabilization in there and actually what i've heard is for the best of course you use both uh, simultaneously mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. but when you have a, a lens with optical image stabilization then um, you don't have to have the most advanced um, external stabilizer right, um, right. Uh, i used to have one of those handheld ones that are completely uh just kind of a gimbal in your hand it's there's no no there's no electronics to it there's no uh feedback spinning uh, gyroscopes no nothing no, like yeah. that it was just literally you know a handheld a, a, a handle on a long a post that mm-hmm. the camera stood mm-hmm. on with counterweights at the bottom yeah and you I see think, lots of do-it-yourself projects to build stuff like that absolutely out of old hard drives and you name it <laughs> correct and and i used to have one of those and it worked okay but i think that uh, that, and that was several years ago so i think that even that combined with a, uh, a a lens with optical image stabilization would look pretty good. Would look mm-hmm. would look okay. Yeah, you don't you don't have to go overkill with that. But no, I, don't, I don't want it to be too smooth. I mean, for no. me, I think micro micro shakes are definitely out. That's no good. No, no. And, and the the lens stabilization will get that. Yeah. And then I think if you walk soft and uh, practice walking soft, I mean, that would be almost enough for me. Yeah, and. Like I said, I think the guy used a, a shoulder mount in that thing, and that you know that that helps a bit. You can also you literally put it kind of on a on a um, attach the camera to like a plank, like a board, like a two by four. And if you hold it the further apart, you kind of hold your hands. It kind of is more stabilized just by the human body holding it ahead of, ahead of itself and walking. That stabilizes it a bit as well. Okay. Well, so, planks are not expensive no. and they're not in short <laughs> supply. So, well, I don't know. I guess we'll have to do some push-ups so that we can. <laughs> I've seen, I don't know if it's in like, if, yeah, exactly. I don't know if it's like in Citizen Kane or but there's some old movies where you see a camera smoothly gliding over the scene and maybe even it glides over the table, you know, like we're sitting on a table here and it's, and then you see the behind the scenes and it's like two teamsters each holding the other side of a four by two by four with the camera on it and they're just walking down, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it, it, as long as it does the job, but so mm-hmm. there's lots of different ways to, to get the, the, the effect that you want, but um I was impressed with this clip that you showed me. Um, I will definitely watch some more of the episodes, and I, I, I think it's something we can aspire to for the to the, the um, quality and the technique. Yeah, I'm and, jealous of their concept, and, yeah. and, and a little jealous of their talent. But mm-hmm. uh, we'll, I, we'll, maybe we'll get there. Maybe we'll get there. And maybe we'll have a three-minute something to show for, for ourselves before we go on to the, to the, the main course next summer. I wonder how they pitched it. Like, I wonder if they found, you know, like if they... they um, first made a little episode on their own, like, okay, this place has just been declassified, let's go check it out, and made it themselves, and then went to, is it on SVT? It, it is on SVT. Or if they I, just went to SVT and just said, secret places, you know, yeah. really declassified secret places. And I mean, that's a great pitch. You know? yeah. No, I think I've seen this concept on other on other networks yeah, okay. uh, outside of Sweden. Yeah. So I'm not sure that um, it was an original concept, but it was certainly a concept that is um, easy enough to, if you're willing to do the research to find the places in Sweden, so I, I think that they, I think that maybe that I, that concept existed elsewhere, and, and they were the ones who managed to um, 
capture capture the uh, concept, right concept, right concept at the right time to the right people pitched. So right. anyway, that that um, is available. I don't know if it's available internationally or if it's only available in Sweden. I'm looking here. Um, yeah, I can't really say, but um, uh, for the you, one international listener that accidentally found our podcast, yes, and the other one, <laughs> if you're still there, um, it's called Svenska Hemligheter, and uh, I think if you search uh, Svenska, it's with a V S V E N S K A and Hemligheter H E M L I G H E T E R, and you'll find it. Um, even the uh, screenshots in, uh, in the Swedish television's um, page for this on their on their online service are are pretty exciting. And if you think that, uh, and they are in fact frame grabs from the videos. From the I, I recognize all of these shots from having watched the the, the videos. Great. So it gives you an idea of, of what kind of quality um, they were able to achieve, um, both. Uh, underground in caves um also with uh, weird lighting situations like uh, how he was backlit with by the right. sun and they managed uh, you were theorizing that maybe they had a light on him or something so that he wasn't completely a shadow with i mean the, the perfect thing him. if he if they had more than one cameraman the perfect thing in that situation would be that another person another crew member was holding a reflector because mm-hmm. of the sun, sun mm-hmm. directly behind him and then reflecting the sun onto him from the front. Yeah, yeah. It would be really, look really nice. He was wearing these steady reflector ho- holding handles or something because <laughs> I didn't see that uh, telltale no. shake and uh, stuff like, like that. So anyway, it's worth looking up. Um, and I think you could even follow that if you don't understand Swedish. Um, it, they use dramatic music. Um, they use archive footage. Um, it's not so many interviews. It's got a slight element of uh, Blair Witch Project. You know, I'm going through the dark and I have a light on me and a camera, but he's not filming himself. Um, but it's yeah, it's shaky in spots and it's trying to trying to put you on edge. So um, I'd hope that we could achieve that technical uh, level, and um, we'll have to see what kind of narrative we we wind up with. But we'll we'll explore that now. Yes. We're free again. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think that pretty much brings us to the end, and yeah, that we're all so. we're pretty close to to thirty minutes now, and okay, that feels great. like a comfortable length. Maybe yeah. the first one. How long did that one go? That was like thirty eight, I think. Thirty eight minutes. I think yeah, so. I think we we can tighten it up here yep. in in two point um, if you or you have any <laughs> any suggestions, um, ideas, uh, feedback, uh, good jokes or recipes, um, cocktail recipes or, or food recipes, um, feel free to contact us. Uh, our contact information is here with the podcast, and you can also find everything you need to know about us at www.highcoastfilm.se. Yes. Um, so with that, I guess... You're off the hook. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yes. Thank you for listening. And we hope you uh, tune in again next time. So long. Bye. Bye.